You can support the Dungeon Masters Dojo in some very simple ways. Be patronizing, like Lou, and become a patron on Patreon and unlock exclusive patron content. Or if you're like Scott and long-term commitment is an issue, you can buy a Sasaki, shop our merch page for DMD swag, or use our drive-through RPG affiliate link next time you shop drive-through RPG. Or visit us on the web at the dungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find links to all the above. Don't forget to email us and say hello. Thanks for listening. Hey, fellas. What ridiculous outfit are you wearing now? It's a wetsuit. I'm like Jacques Cousteau. I didn't know you were into BDSM. That's some weird shit. BDSM? Is that an anime thing? I'll explain later. Get your scuba gear ready, because it's five things to consider when running an underwater campaign. This week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host. Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. The closet is running out of room with all the weird suits you've been wearing here. Wetsuits now? Yeah, like Jacques Cousteau. Eucalypso is pulling into port in the Mediterranean. It's 90 degrees outside and there's no water. Oh, there's plenty of fluid inside this wetsuit now. I kind of feel like a superhero in it. You know, I I thought the speeders were bad. You might want to get a size bigger, buddy. Yeah, this is like pinching. <laughs> I can't sit down. I can't even reach the zipper in the back. I don't know how Batman does it. Oh, you're on your own today. <laughs> Maybe the hellhound will help me. Have another beer. Not with his sense of smell. <laughs> I'm afraid it, this thing will explode if I have another beer. Hey, give me that beer back. Uh, so we're talking underwater campaigns. Those are fun. There's a bunch of things to consider when you get begin planning an underwater campaign. There's <laughs> a bunch of things you better consider when... A- yeah, it's much of it's going to be the same as any other campaign you you plan out, right? You're going to need enemies, a big bad, a riveting storyline, but there's much more to consider. <laughs> Point one: If you're choosing to play traditional races, then you need to know how they are going to breed. That's important, right? Not really. <laughs> right? How's your half orc barbarian going to breathe underwater? Probably not well. He's going to end up drowning. The first thing that comes to mind is a great setting for your undead campaign. That is true. (laughs) Yeah. And hope the fish don't eat you. (laughs) Wear a wetsuit. Hold all those parts in. That's it. Yeah, breathing is important, right? So what sort of uh, spells, magic items? Water breathing. You know, uh, apparatus, right? Um, Maybe you have an artificer uh, in your group. Are they going to... Build you a wetsuit or scuba gear or whatever have you. And do you trust that they will do it right? I will roll very well on mine. 
So how are you going to breathe? That only if you're playing like traditional races, right? If you're doing some of these aquatic races, you don't have to worry about that, right? The problem's solved. Right. This is where you live. You know, you could certainly do that. Even some of the classes now, you can um, have water breathing now. The Fathomless Warlock. You better have a warlock with you. A fathomless one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I could just I could just see the ad in the paper. You know, you got to be careful for for typos because you know you you get the uh, you get the barbarian that's not good at book learning or spelling, and you end up with a fabulous <laughs> warlock instead of a fathomless one. You got a problem. Uh, as far as water breathing goes, anyway. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'm here for the job. Yeah. If <laughs> if you want someone to pick out matching outfits for, for the adventuring party, the fabulous warlock is the one to do it. <laughs> Check your ads on Craigslist before you oh, post them. I'll get pictures of Barbarian with long, flowing hair that's always traipsing off to the left, even when there's no breeze. Yeah. <laughs> the point here, though, is you really need to be careful, especially even if you're playing on a ship with Bill. Yeah, you're gonna sink. You're gonna the ship may sink. Hey. Not may. It's going hey. to. The, the ship is going to sink. I, a few ran aground. We were on a ship not long ago, <laughs> and it didn't sink. But Bill wasn't running the game. But you could see, you could see the players hesitation. Collect, yeah, collectively, <laughs> like, ah, uh, can we fly? Maybe we should just swim <laughs> just, and risk being but, devoured. But Bill's not running the game. He's on board. Yeah. <laughs> Something's going to happen. I see them down in the hole, drilling holes. <laughs> Something else to note is combat is very different. Enemies can be in front of, behind, and on either side of your players. They also can be above or below you. Yeah, you have you have a three-dimensional setting here for, for combat. So those DMs that hate players that make Aarakocra characters, <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody's flying in an underwater campaign. Yep. It's just called swimming. Yep. And everybody can do it better than you, especially if you're your terrestrial characters. You have to really manage all those different dimensions during during combat, during travel and everything. It's well, especially important. Yeah, because and your play it's you're gonna you can catch your players off guard because they forget that things can come from above or below. But they in turn can catch you off guard if you're not paying attention. Because if you have a decent tactician on the, on the table and he starts sending people in different directions, kind of, you know, like a quarterback. And then all of a sudden they converge from different directions. Your, your, uh, uh, monsters and or antagonists could be in big trouble real fast. Yeah. For me though, if, if I have characters in the water and I'm running a game, they're automatically at disadvantage on almost everything they do because they are not from there. Yeah. Right. It, good point. <clears throat> good point. So that you're going to need something else to like, kind of help you out, you know, uh, much like you know, magical breathing or some other, even other backgrounds apparatus. at that point. Like yep. a sailor, I would give them okay. You you can swim decently. You don't. You're right. not a disadvantage of swimming under the water. Yeah, so you're not at half movement when yeah, exactly. else is. Yeah, for X kind of and movement. That's oh my god. You're slower than slow now because yeah. you can only swim for so long, right? Without any air. <laughs> <laughs> and and I always start your underwater campaign after Shark Week. <laughs> I have some especially, homework for you guys. Yeah, spe especially important that yeah. you do that. Okay, let's move on to our next point. Weapons that are normally effective on the land may become ineffective underwater. The same could be true for spells. Yeah, there's not a lot of fireballs underwater. Well, 
How do you go verbal? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And even like somatic components, right? Moving your limbs in our terrestrial environment is effortless. Is, yeah. Not so much underwater. No. Well, number one, you're kicking your feet to try to stay at a certain position underwater. Because you're not just going to hover there. You're just going to sink if you don't. Unless your character is true neutral. Oh, my God. But don't bump. <laughs> so, you know, your your hand movements and everything is going to be off off kilter. Disadvantage. Yeah. You know, your spells may not cast as perfectly. The effects may not be as... Can't as, cast fireball. <laughs> right. Well, you're screwed if you need material components and you don't have an arcane focus. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my powders just keep drifting yeah. away. It's mud. Um <laughs> You know, swinging a sword is different. Shooting, shooting an arrow is different. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything is different. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. Are you a veteran DM with more campaign ideas than prep time? Yeah, of course you are. Aren't we all? Does your party have a habit of going to the person or place that you would least expect? If they're like my group, they sure do. What if I were to tell you that I could put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk to cut down on your campaign prep? What if I were to tell you that you could bring them along with you at your game sessions for when those pesky players go off the rails. Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we could do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy-and-pastable, beautifully-written narratives right at your fingertips. I've been running games for the better part of 40 years, and I must admit, I've gotten a bit lazy. I just don't have the time I used to. And I've been using terrain, which is minimizing my need for descriptive narratives. Stuff is right out there in front of you. Why describe it? When I was prepping for an acorns journey, a DMD story, I used describe quite a bit. When you listen, you can hear it. One of the things I like the most about describe is that if the narrative doesn't fit perfectly with your encounter, it's easy to modify while still sounding really good. I did that an awful lot. I think this makes the more than 6,000 narratives that they have available for you even more valuable. It almost doubles what you have at your fingertips. You should give it a shot. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B.com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe two weeks free links will be in the show notes and now back to the show and if you're if you're not using aquatic player characters then it just it makes it even more complicated it's a lot to manage for the players and especially the dm There's a lot of, a lot of thunking to do ahead of time you may have to a come lot. up with a couple charts you know everyone's at half movement all their weapon damage if it's being if it's being physically or dexterously driven um are at half Half damage. I was about to say, I would just treat it like um, Barbarian Rage Resistance. Yeah. Yep. So, or, you know, or just say, all right, you did how much damage? And just treat it, everyone, you know, okay, you don't tell them it's half damage. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, I struck. Okay, and you're just marking down half damage, or, you, or you're building it in ahead of time. You can just automatically double all the hit points and let them do all the hit points they want because you've already compensated for the fact that everything's doing half. So what's the setting? This is the stuff that I think is really fun, right? Uh if you go underwater, you you can pretty much use any any landscape. You just got to add water, right? So forests, right? Coral forests. As someone who builds terrain, 
you know, it's one thing I've always wanted to do is build a, a buttload of underwater terrain just because you can use all sorts of crazy bright colors and stuff like that. And it looks like it's really, really fun. Um, and you got to make it look wet, you know, so there's different materials to use to make, make it look wet. So it's shiny, you know, to give you the impression that it's under the water. It could be a, a like a domed city, frozen sea, any, any, even like a, a desert. It sounds ridiculous. You know, desert has no water and underwater has nothing but water, but you, a barren stretch, you know, like a trench or something like that. It gives you the opportunity too to explore a bunch of different cultures you may not have had the opportunity to really play around with in your normal game, like on Faerun or whatever have you. So right. it's there's a lot of a lot of different opportunities that are 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 just cool for the DM, the players, anybody who wants to build terrain. Is just an underwater campaign poses a lot of a lot of unique stuff. As complicated as as it is, it's still there's there's a potential for a lot of like fun. Yeah, who's to say you didn't see an, an underwater rip current and all of a sudden your party is dispersed? If you're not from the area, you're not going to be able to read the currents. So all of a sudden everyone's, you know, going ass over tea kettle, can't figure out which way is up. Because depending on what spell you're using, you don't have bubbles to refer to. So now half your party is upside down, the other half is right side up. Although you don't, you don't have no idea which, which one is which. Because if you're deep enough, there is no light. So lighting becomes Lighting an becomes issue an issue well. too, yeah. So you have dark vision? Okay, dark vision would probably work semi-normally. I don't even know if it would give you that because yeah. everything's, when you start going into certain depths, everything's already black and gray anyway. Well, if you yeah, true. But, you know, you, what little light is there. I mean, yep. there is a lot of wildlife and, you know, flora and fauna that generates light. Yep. So you, you might have enough to, to trigger your dark vision. So that brings us into our next point of movement, visibility, and even water pressure. Yeah, it's one thing to breathe. Nothing to be crushed by an atmosphere every thirty-seven feet. Now, I, I, I know D and D doesn't really have a thing about water pressure, but I would build that in, especially if you're not wearing some type of magical means. Yeah, I think you would need to the deeper, deeper you yeah. get, especially if you're you're adventuring parties like terrestrial, terrestrial people. Movement's going to be slowed, right? You're not going to be able to walk. You have to, you have to swim. Um, if you don't have any other means of, of movement or propelling yourself, you're going to need to take frequent breaks. Yep. Yeah. For, for me in D&D, you know, you have your movement of 30 and you may have a swimming speed of 30, but that's on top of the water. Correct. Underwater, it's from what I would do is have that. Yeah. You can only go for so long, you know, depending on what your con is underwater before you need to start breathing again. And, you know, that's where you can get in trouble. Or even if, even if the breathing has been taken care of. You were still exerting yourself against a constant opposed force. A pressure. So pressure, just moving through the water, plain and simple. Yeah. Um, you're moving a fluid out of your way. You're not walking. Yeah, you're so not unless running. you have a spell or like a ring of reaction. Yeah. That's, unless, unless something like that, yeah, then I, I would different. say, okay, you have this many turns equal to your constitution mm -hmm. before you must take a rest. You know, because you you physically exhausted yourself. Yeah. And exhaustion levels go up very, very rapidly in this. Oh, at, I, least, I, at least I would, yeah. I can tell you from when I scuba dived, it, we're underwater. Coming back up, you know, whatever minutes later, I'm physically tired. Yeah, it takes Exhausted. a lot out of you. Yep. You know, it's, so it's not easy. Yes, I know it's a fantasy game and everything, but I still would add a little bit of realism to that part for terrestrial folk who are never in the water. Even if it's just initialized until you get to 
your quote unquote starting point. Yep. And then you're gifted a magic ability or something or an item that gives you in essence, like a ring of free action or yep. something. Like that. So you no longer encumbered by it, but it, it, the realism of in the beginning of this is going to take us forever until the giant sea turtle shows up or the, the dolphins to drag you to where you're going. Cause you're taking so damn long. Uh, and then you're, you're gifted an ability to help a little. Uh, maybe uh, with the breathing and not the movement. Maybe the movement, not the breathing. One or the other. You got to have some kind of detriment there to in the beginning. Keep, yes. Keep, well, even it, even through the whole thing, I would either make breathing easier or I'd make movement easier, and maybe even give them a choice. You can take this item, which will help you move, or you can take this item, which will help you breathe. Give them a great big apparatus of quailish. I was, was just going to say <laughs> that too, and do like uh, you know, running silent, running deep type thing. Yep. You know, or a sequest Nemo. or whatever. I was, yeah. I was thinking about that, too. Yeah, Captain Nemo-ish. That definitely looked like it was cobbled together by Tinker. Yep. But that that would be fun. You know, you get a bunch of gnomes that build this submarine. What could go wrong? Nothing. Uh, nothing. There's gnomish built. I yeah. play gnomes all the time just for that. And <laughs> there's a there's a lot of fun you can have with something like that, with, with like, particularly an underwater campaign where it's just like, you know, uh, gnomish Star Trek underwater. <laughs> oh, you got to run that now. And and ev- everyone gets to take a shower at least once a day because at least once a day there's a leak springing somewhere. Yeah, so just stand <laughs> and, under the leak and, before they. And even if you're it. not helping, you know, some people are trying frantically trying to fix the fix it, and other people behind them lathering up. <laughs> yeah the uh, the the tech crew with their one gnome with this massive roll of duct tape on his back and his job is just to bend over so someone could grab the duct tape and pull it free from the roll and you know there's a there's a, a cutter that's his job. <laughs> short sword strapped yep. across his belt he just, buckle his belt he just he just cuts the duct tape and they just layer it on and the whole thing is held together with patchwork and duct tape duct tape and any other like sticky substance they can get their hands on you know there's <laughs> gnomes frantically chewing gum <laughs> Buckets of pine tar everywhere yep. <laughs> and rolls of like birch bark <laughs> just slap on there. That sounds fun. <laughs> Run it. So, yeah, we, we touched on movement. We touched on water pressure, a little bit about visibility. Uh, no matter how you look at it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I could see more beer and pretzel out of this. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'd go the, I did the go try to go the series route may be a little difficult. Unless you're using aquatic characters. characters yeah. 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 In which yeah. case, you know, that, that might be, that might be a little bit different. Yeah. You but. still, the only thing you still have to contend, contend with are the four dimensions. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is for on a DM, that's still very hard. And even for the players to think outside the box. Yep. I, I think terrain and minis is really important to running a game like this efficiently. Yep. Um, because I, I see theater of the mind is wonderful. It is. A, it is. And that's how we used to play back in the day. But it's a lot for theater of the mind. Okay, here you go, Scott. I have a lowered ceiling with the and with all the grid work on here. So if you got a bunch of little S hooks and and some fishing line, you can suspend terrain at different levels above the table. You think I haven't thought of that? <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> you know, some heavy duty fishing line. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be heavy duty. It could be, you know because you got to keep it from swaying. You got to pin it at least three or four corners. And you can just run line to line to line and make basically make a mobile. Well, I was 
Yeah, I'll have to show you the sketches I have for my islands and my <laughs> floating water rocks and stuff like that. <laughs> we'll need some heavy-duty stuff. All righty. It's going to be a lot I of have, sand. I have heavy-duty stuff. I'll just make sure I fortify the ceiling. And that's five things to consider when running an underwater campaign. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>